Realizing her life as the product of an altered future, Dr. Mia Calavici stepped into the Quantum Leap Accelerator and vanished. She awoke to find herself trapped in the past, facing mirror images that were not her own and driven by an unknown force to change history for the better. Her only guide on this journey is Sam, a traveler of the same kind who appears in the form of a mentor that only she can see and hear. And so Dr. Calavici finds herself leaping from life to life, striving to put right what once went wrong and hoping that some leap might answer, why am I here? Oh boy, it's a Quantum Leap Podcast. My name is Nate, and with me as a co-host we can all see and hear, it's Brian S. Martin. <laughs> David S. Pumpkins. Yes, hi everybody. <laughs> the S is for savvy. That's it, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> How have you been? Uh, good, good. Things are going all right. How about you? I uh, can't complain too much. Well, I could, given the time, but... We've got other things to discuss. <laughs> You'd think we wouldn't have quite as much to discuss in the dead zone that is the summertime between seasons. Oh, well, we've planned for all of this. We've got a whole selection of ideas. 50 more episodes between now and early September. Mm -hmm. Yeah, more than the uh, show's even going to put out. That's right. <laughs> no, but we are going to talk about something that's kind of piggybacking on the last episode. So... Yeah, there is a method to all of this. There's a reason we're subjecting you to the things that we're subjecting you to, like trilogy parts one through three. <laughs> well, now, some of it might be a punishment. Is that what you're implying? You know, we talked at length about it last time. I think there's more good than bad in trilogy, but there's definitely some dubious content yeah. in that saga. Not quite as dubious as some of the other things you might find in season five of Quantum Leap. Anyway, if you haven't listened to the last episode, I really encourage you to go back and check that out because it does have bearing on what we're going to discuss this week. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say you should probably listen to that or at least be pretty familiar with those three episodes if you're not already. Because what we're going to talk about tonight is a Quantum Leap revival. Yeah, Quantum <laughs> Leap revival that is not necessarily the one we've spent most of this season's talking about. A revival that never was. Way back when this whole thing started, we talked about how much we thought about Quantum Leap, right? The two of us. Right. And you made mention all the way back in episode one that I put more thought into it than our daily lives or some Something to that effect. Yeah, you had thought a great deal about what a Quantum Leap reboot exactly. or revival would look like. What you were alluding to is a pitch I actually put together, not for anyone that would actually read it, but... An exercise. Yeah, exactly. You know, when you're, when you're creative, occasionally you'll just do these exercises for fun. You're not really expecting anything to come of it, right. but it, you've got ideas, and you just got to get them out somehow, and your ideas in yeah. this case were about what comes next. Exactly. And there are some slight similarities to what we actually got in my pitch here that we're going to go over tonight. Craziest part is that Jen is a character in yeah. Nate's original pitch for yeah. Quantum Leap Revival. I have filed a suit against NBC, actually, <laughs> for creative infringement. No. <laughs> I went ahead and printed out this revival pitch that I put together, and I realized as I did it, the date that prints out on this is February 2019. 
Okay. And I was reading through it again in preparation for just talking about it tonight, because you have some familiarity with it. I have read Nate's Pitch. But probably back in February of 2019. It was to... a while back. Yeah, yeah. It was. I would say 2020 at the absolute latest, but I do believe it was 2019 when I read it. Right, right. So I just wanted to preface that with this was all forethought and has absolutely nothing to do with what we've seen. It's not a commentary on what they should have done versus what they did do, because it's a wholly different idea before they were even really considering anything over there at NBC, if I had to guess. Yeah, and I put words in your mouth a second ago, but what sort of led you to do this? It's February of 2019. I just know from experience, it's like sometimes we do these things as like little projects, almost like warm-up activities, kind of. What was it that compelled you to do this specifically? Well, why didn't you plot out three seasons of Picard? (laughs) God, I could have done that in my sleep and come out with something better. Well, two seasons worth anyway. (laughs) It was just a portion of a blog I was running. I was working on some essays, personal writing ideas, just so that I was working on something on any given week, just to keep the muscles uh, fresh. I guess it was just going on one of my kicks where you get into something for a certain period and then you kind of evolve out of it. And I tend to circle back around to things. And I must have been uh, really interested into Quantum Leap back in uh, 2019 and just thought, you know what, if they were going to do another series, how should they do it? Or how would I do it? And really, it stems from there being an idea out there for so long with the Sammy Joe character. Okay, well, he's got a daughter now. And We were even surmising that she was probably supposed to be the next Leaper, right? That was the plan. It's all set into motion. And to me, that felt too obvious and less interesting than what I felt like I would want to see. Yeah, I think the simple pitch, the simple and most obvious pitch for a continuation of that original series is that the government is once again threatening to shut down the project. Sam Beckett is lost in time. No one has had contact with him. And Sammy Joe discovers in the midst of all this that Sam Beckett is her real father and sets about trying to get him home, right? That's the easiest route to this reboot. And I think that a season six might have looked something like that. They probably would have started winding up the series that way if I had to guess. Yeah. But like we said, there was going to be a sci-fi original movie. I think Belisario talked about it being that that's how he would have brought it back. Far be it for me to assume that I'm more interesting than Donald Belisario has put out. <laughs> I mean, the man served with television. Lee Harvey Oswald, for Christ's sake. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. I just wanted to attack it from another angle. So I'm going to throw some ideas out at you. We can kind of workshop this because, as I said, I've done it long enough ago that I feel like there's some things I probably would even change now, having looked at it again. But the root of reviving this series, I feel like the greatest obstacle to a familiar revival is the finale of the original series where Sam has saved Al's marriage, right? Yes, yeah. So, you know, they've got that bubble. (laughs) They've got the bubble that says they're protected from time travel or or whatever changes that are made. They remain aware to an extent of the changes made in the time stream. But something that grand just doesn't seem to fit with that canonical explanation, right? I mean, it's not really fair to Al. Oh, my gosh. We've been married for how long? And I don't remember any of it, (laughs) you know? Right. Outside of that, I mean, you're erasing four wives 
and replacing them with a loving home and four children. That is a different person. Yes. And I think that at the end of the series, that was the idea, that he was fixing things for Al, right? So has basically set his life on another trajectory, which is what Sam spends all his time doing, right? Mm -hmm. Sending people's lives into a new trajectory. So I started to think, okay, well, would family man Al join Quantum Leap? And we've kind of touched on that before, too. And I really just don't see a path for that necessarily. I mean, there could be a whole new one. Obviously, it can work. But for the purposes of this, I thought the man is different enough that who knows if he even moved out to Arizona where he could even meet Sam, Mm -hmm. right? If he's settled down with his wife and he doesn't want to uproot 2.3 kids or whatever it is. So for the purposes of this revival, Al never joins Project Quantum Leap. So this is an alternate history that was created by the finale in which Mm -hmm. Al never even joins the project. Exactly. All right. So starting from there, Al has never joined Project Quantum Leap, but Dr. Donna Elise Beckett is still there and partnered with Sam and Gushi to put together Project Quantum Leap. And of course, he still constructs Ziggy. And outside of Al's influence there, the project still comes together, right? Obviously. And Sam still leaps. Now, the difference being here. Without Al being in the project, they've never found anybody whose brainwaves could sync with Sam's. Okay. Okay. All so right. they're not able to find him in the time stream. Nobody can get in the imaging chamber. He's leaped and he's lost. But back at Project Quantum Leap, Ziggy is the only one that's becoming aware of all the changes that are being made. Ah. Right. Okay. So All right. Ziggy is a computer that's basically just tabulating a bunch of information and loading up on previous histories. With a million gigabyte capacity, I'm quite capable of rubbing my tummy, patting my head, and doing a trillion floating point operations at once. So Ziggy is, in this reality, aware of every previous leap or becoming aware of every previous leap that existed in the alternate timeline where Al was a part of the project. So Ziggy's going to have basically all the previous histories that have already occurred from five years of television, as well as anything that's been happening since. So all of that stuff did happen. I don't want to erase the entire series. Sure. I've just kind of plucked Al out of it in the same way that they slid Donna back in or Sammy Joe in. Oh, she's working at Project Quantum Leap now, right? Is uh, Pause real quick. And sure. We're talking about people who are part of the project. How about Sinjit? Is he there? You know, the Roddy McDowell hologram guy. <laughs> That's an idea. <laughs> Maybe I could have put him in as the, uh, as the hologram. Technically, the series already addressed what would happen if Al wasn't there. And that's that Roddy McDowell would join the project. I wonder if he was there already. Maybe he was... Maybe he's always part of the project, but without Al there, he ended up being the one for the hologram. The guy. Yeah, who knows? I don't know if any outside media, like, novelizations or anything ever explored that. I wonder. Yeah, that'd be interesting to look into. Like, who the hell is this guy? Yeah. Other than a cast member from, like, Planet of the Apes, who is this guy? (laughs) (laughs) So... 
every show needs a protagonist, right? And the good thing about Quantum Leap, I feel, is that you don't have a whole lot to cast. When I was putting mine together, I didn't have a team Quantum Leap. I was really just thinking, okay, well, it's another anthology-style show with two leads. Yeah. Now, in what would probably be like a two-parter, maybe a three-part pilot, I do have to get them rolling in a program that's already existing, right? So okay. my protagonist is, interestingly, one of Al's daughters. One of Al's mm. four daughters. I named her Dr. Mia Calavici. Okay. She's a theoretical physicist with a military background of some kind. Okay. I figure her about 36-ish. Okay. And I'm casting... Haley Atwell. Haley Atwell. For this role. Hubba hubba. That's the look, that's Get the her look I was show. going for. <laughs> so it's funny because like that description is sort of like if you took Janice Calavici right. and Addison Augustine and mashed them together, you would end up with a character that's roughly equivalent to this. So I was kind of glad that they went and introduced one of Al's daughters into it. I thought that was interesting. I didn't... When we talked about the first episode, that was the hook for me. Yeah. Yeah. Was that, oh, oh, I didn't necessarily think they would go in that direction, but that's a very interesting direction to go in. Right. So canonically speaking, Al was part of the program. It's clear from the revival that this did not preclude Al from joining Project His, History didn't change to that extent. I think we probably have talked about this throughout the season. I'm of the mind that Al and Sam are the real star-crossed couple of Quantum Leap. You could throw a billion different realities out there, and those two always find each other. That's kind of the feeling I have. Not just because narratively it has to happen for the show to be a show, <laughs> but just because of the connection that they have. The time that the show spends building that connection and emphasizing their brainwaves are yeah. synced up, all of this stuff. It's like these two had to find each other yeah. to make this project a success, right? Yeah. When you pull one out of it, it's hard for the project to be a success, right? Yeah, yeah. And I like that. Wait till we get to the end of this for anybody that's feeling bad about Al being left out of the series here. Just put a pin in it for a second. Yeah. So what I wanted to say about his daughter here, Mia, is she's got a very guarded personality rooted from the idea that she's excelled now in two male-dominated professions, right? The military, clearly and being a theoretical physicist, and she's kind of at the top of her game in this, right? So she's got a very guarded personality, but the relationships that she does make are very, very deep. Mm -hmm. Kind of trying to mirror that with Sam and Al. One such relationship is her former professor, Donna Elise. Ah. Professor, professor Donna Elise was one of her college professors as she was getting her doctorate in theoretical physics, right? Okay. And Donna leaves academia to join Project Quantum Leap or to start Project Quantum Leap with her husband, Sam. So as soon as Mia hears about this thing, she wants to be involved, obviously. So when it comes around that somebody leaped, that there's a time traveler out there now, and the project is kind of in shambles and scrambling because funding is being cut off because not only can they not prove that he's leaped, there's no evidence, you know, that he didn't die. Like, they can't even say he didn't die when he leaped because he's just disappeared. So Mia comes on to try and help Donna find Sam, and Ziggy's servers are burning up. She's working on something. She's doing something. And as obviously she can speak. That's true. Right? She's a character in this series. She can speak. She's a dome in the ceiling. And 
and she's probably plucking off these little clues here and there that, you know, like, oh, I see him here, or there, this change has been made, or what have you. Taking the role of Ian in this reboot, essentially. In a sense, I guess, yeah. I want it to be very nebulous as to where Sam is, and just that Ziggy is aware of things changing. This is a deviation from what has happened. This is a deviation from what has happened, and it continues to be that way. Ziggy might be the one character that's aware of all of the things that happened while Al was there and the series proper. Um, right. I wonder if there but, could be something in her programming that prohibits her from even discussing those things directly, right? Because it's like... Yeah, maybe. Not being aware of what the original history was is sort of crucial to making sure that things continue in the corrected timeline unabated. Yeah. So maybe there's something in there that Ziggy's prohibited from discussing those splintered timelines or changes that have been made, even though right. she's just stockpiling all of them and is like a database for it. Yeah, maybe. The only issue with that, I feel like, is that they're not about protecting a timeline. They're all about disrupting a timeline. <laughs> you know, right. like, that's the whole thing. If this was The Flash, then what were those those sick Dementor things that were on The Flash that were, like, oh. chasing after people who jacked yeah, like up those, the timeline? Those weird black evil flashes. Those critters that just came out. They looked like <laughs> Dementors from Azkaban Prison. That's what they looked like. Yeah, right, right. So in the pilot here that we're putting together, uh, Mia joins the project in order to try and help Donna. And she decides that the answers have to be in whatever this computer is doing because it's spitting out all these numbers and all these lines of code and it's basically just becoming phone books full of information and previous histories and turning points and whatnot right so it's just too much to file through ai generated artwork in there too probably no yeah thing. right <laughs> right <laughs> And since there's a, so much to go through, they've got like a whole team of people like going through all of this data. In Mia's work doing so, she comes across Donna's name, comes across her own name, and she discovers Sam's involvement in her parents staying together. Ah. She discovers that this is a deviation. My entire existence is a deviation from a prior timeline. And as she starts to pull on that thread, she realizes that the same has happened to Donna. Her life has changed in two points. In this history, I've given Sam and Donna a son, a son that was once born, but has since been erased by something that Sam did, okay? Hmm, okay. That and, of course, her leaving him at the altar and then marrying him, that was a deviation. Right. So what Mia is able to discover is that Sam not only loved another woman, this Abigail Fuller character, but fathered a child by this woman named Sammy Joe. And of course, okay. Sammy Joe is there working on the project too. And suddenly in Mia's eyes, Sam's inability, quote unquote, to return feels more like a refusal to do so. <laughs> He's the ultimate deadbeat dad. Yeah. So what, because he erased a son. Just leaving a bunch of women in your wake. That's right. That's the way I felt about Trilogy. Right. And that's yeah. part of the root of this issue, because this relationship with Abigail Fuller is such a departure and a betrayal 
And we talked about it last week. Just a betrayal of the character Donna. It's very Shakespearean. You remember in Romeo and Juliet, Romeo is just raging boner for this one girl at the beginning of the play. And the second he sees Juliet, it's like out the window. Like, who is she? And I don't even think she's mentioned again. <laughs> the entire thing. You know, it's like something, something very much like that. Just like you dangle this in front of you and all of a sudden it's like, whoa, what is this? Yeah, well, that trilogy never sat well with me. And this is one of the things that I wanted to address in a revival because I want Sam to recognize Donna again. And like I said, Mia is thinking, okay, well, this hero, quote unquote, is for all the lives that he's saving Look at the lives that he's wrecking. This one relationship I really have with my former professor, Donna. She's brought me on in this job. She's one of my closest confidants and really one of the only people I have a great relationship with. And look what this guy has done to her. So she's kind of a surrogate for me in that I love that relationship of Donna. I love that episode, Starcrossed, the conversation that she had with Al at the end of The Leap Back She's a great character that just kind of gets lost. And she's one of the reasons I think a lot of people don't like the way the finale ended where he didn't come home because, you know, Donna's waiting there, right? right? So that's, I've just tried to compound that by also introducing the idea that they had a child, but the child also got erased by some kind of change that he made in a timeline. So in the eyes of our protagonist i'm kind of vilifying the protagonist of the original series in perception sure right so mia's pretty conflicted watching this woman that, that she loves and admired torn apart by the revelations of sam's changes and carrying the weight of her own existence she feels responsible just her existence is part of the problem for donna Mm -hmm. really you know that's what makes her decide to leave that's the inciting incident i'm gonna go find this guy and i'm gonna force him to come home and put right what he put wrong yes right? yeah so that's her goal um, fix your house sam <laughs> <laughs> exactly question is though how do i do that how do i find him nobody's able to find him I'm combing through all this data to try and find some kind of trajectory, a path back for him that maybe he was coming back of his own volition. A trajectory, um, you say? Yeah, yeah. Perhaps building momentum. <laughs> so that was kind of why she was going through the data. But when she finally makes this decision to step into the quantum leap accelerator, she doesn't know where to go. She doesn't have any way to pinpoint where she's supposed to be. So... She's visiting her father at the retirement home and is just kind of lamenting about this. And as they're having the conversation, Al seems to really have a great understanding of the string theory and almost more understanding about Project Quantum Leap than even she does. And to her surprise, in that some metaphysical level, he seems to know more about Sam Beckett than anybody else at the project and he's able to tell her where he feels sam is now i don't have any of this dialogue scripted out but there's something there that you can obviously dean stockwell rest in peace you can hear him saying something and selling that just emotionally there's a connection and yeah. i can also picture him doing it very efficiently right you know right. it's like there would be very few words needed 
to right. ultimately get there, I think, with Dean Stockwell. He gives her his blessing to Quantum Leap and kind of tells her where to go. So that's the inciting incident. That's how she begins leaping. And I feel like the depth of this show would be building the relationship between Sam and Mia. Okay. Our show, our original series, was built on a relationship between two best friends that are already really close. And in the Revival series, we're going to end up having a mentor relationship that's a little more adversarial. And we'll have two characters that are kind of far apart that start to come together. Because in the end, they really kind of need each other, okay? Because she's mm -hmm. looking for him, and he is totally unaware of what he's done to Donna, or maybe even it's Swiss cheesed out that she even ever existed. It's very ambiguous in terms of whether Sam even knows what he knows of right. back home, what he recalls. He obviously gets to a point where he remembers Gushy, leap after leap after leap, right? Yeah. He remembers Ziggy. He knows who Al is. Like, those sorts of constants never go away. You gotta wonder, if he remembers Gushy, would he also remember Donna? The show, I think, implies that the answer is no. I think he mentions to her that Sam doesn't remember her. At the end of the leap back. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm fairly certain that's mentioned, and it may be that he forgets what needs to be forgotten in order to do the job, you know? Right. I yes. mean, it could very well be selective amnesia, basically. He, he forgets what needs to be gotten for the benefit of the plot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's right. a very, and I joke, but it's like a very effective device to have in your back pocket. It is. As yeah, far no, as like, it, it totally is. You know. And it was used to great effect when you would suddenly learn that he knew this other thing, like being a concert pianist. Like, oh, he also knows seven languages, you know, because you can just... Well, why hasn't he ever used any of this before? Well, he didn't remember he had it, but here it is. <laughs> yeah, it's just the, I think we've referred to him as a Swiss army man. Yeah, right, right. So yeah, my pitch would be these two characters, Sam and Mia, leaping from life to life, striving to put right what once went wrong, and all the while kind of building a relationship, having them come closer together. Because what I envision is that Mia... She's going to have that Swiss cheese memory, too. And she's not necessarily going to remember why she leaped. And she's not going to exactly remember what Sam has done. But there'll be some kind of residual feeling that says, I don't trust this person. I don't know why. But don't think I like him. Right. She's got the feeling, but the context is gone. So, yeah, that's primarily it. Ultimately, her purpose is to put things right for Donna and the son that she never knew she had. Yeah, so is is the son... In your vision for this, does part of this become getting the son back? Correcting whatever happened in the timeline to erase the son from existence? Yeah, I think by the end, her goal is to try and return Donna's life to what it should have been. Part of that means bringing Sam home. Now, this, this revival, uh, even after reading all of this, one of the things that... I'm really sticking on is that if Sam is serving as the Al surrogate, you lose that element of he's intangible, he can't be seen. You know, mm, yes. like I feel like I feel like it's very easy to write away that Sam can appear that way, but I can't get 
to why he would. Right, because it seems like they would just be leaping together. Right. Right. And, I mean, I guess the show could work that way, uh, just as two leapers going through. But there's, I, I like this dynamic of one person being lost while this other person is there in a helping hand. But, you know, the lead, Mia, really has to accomplish all of these things on her own. And when I wrote this up, I put in some business about a non-interference policy or something like oh, this. the prime directive of Quantum Leap. Yeah, like she has to she has to change things herself in order to leap. But there'd just be too many scenarios where, you know, oh, she's been knocked out and she's laying on the floor and they're going to go hang this kid on the... Tr- <laughs> you know? uh, they're gonna, oh God, they're yeah. hanging him in the courtyard. Get up! Like, if you're Sam... And you can manifest physically, you would just do that. And then correct the problem and yourself. And then correct the problem instead of being an intangible hologram there. So that's kind of a sticking point. Trilogy is a great example of that from Al when he's in the house with Lita Ader and Abigail in part one. Mm-hmm. And he's yelling at them. But they don't hear him, right? He's just there trying his best to engage with the situation, even though he's powerless. Yeah, and that would be an element that you would kind of lose under this scenario, because you're right. I mean, Sam Beckett, his whole existence presumably still is centered on correcting things, making right what once went wrong. And maybe at this point in his lifespan out here bouncing through time, Mm -hmm. he's at the point where he doesn't need Ziggy and he doesn't need a hologram to tell him what he needs to do. It's kind of an innate feeling and he's tapped into it, right? Yeah, that's the feeling I got from the finale. Yes. And maybe it was just headcanon, but the other thing that I felt like from the finale is that once he recognized himself in the mirror, I assumed this was a character that was whole again. That this was a character that had all his memories back. He knew what his missions were now and that there were other leapers like him out there and he knew how to do it now. Yes. And that's yeah. the way I read it. And that's why it felt like such a betrayal to Donna to me, because I felt like if he really is whole, granted, maybe he didn't remember her when he was head over heels for his surrogate daughter. Ugh. <laughs> but yeah what a complicated relationship yeah but yeah so so i assume he's sort of made whole and i assume that he can pretty much do whatever he wants in the time stream now and if all of that is the case then how do i get to this dynamic of one helping the other while while also being powerless somehow so i would assume that in this reality or whatever you want to call whatever Sam exists in because he's kind of existing outside the time stream now he remembers Al like he knows of the adventures he had with Al that's all stuff that really happened to him yeah 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 I'm almost at the end here let's so let's put a pin in that and come back to that problem because because the last thing that I had here on my pitch is well I went over the tone which in a few words I want to try and capture the tone of the old series I want it to feel the same way yes Um, I don't feel like this new show feels the same way, where it can be comedic one episode, extremely dramatic the next, maybe an action episode thrown in there. But ideally, as he's going throughout time, it's more of an anthology series. Mm -hmm. So we've got our two characters, and they're in a different situation every time. Now, 
the show would also have a through line in the same way like the X-Files does, in that this mission to help Donna and to help Sammy Joe, these are characters that you'll be introduced to in the premiere episode, and people are going to wonder where they are if they don't show up every once in a while, right? right? So theoretically speaking, maybe an episode here or there, we can focus on this quote-unquote mythology. Sure, sure. What's happening with that? What's furthering that? But nothing to the extent this that... I'm picturing something that is less frequent than the X-Files mythology episodes, where there yeah. would be maybe six episodes, maybe seven episodes a season devoted to that i would picture something that's more aligned with like three episodes a season or something yeah definitely just pepper it throughout i definitely feel like the donna character the sammy joe character these would be recurring roles and would never be series regular yeah that would not be the point because i really want to isolate these two as kind of lost travelers i want mia to feel completely out of her depth a lot of the time. You know, the same way Sam was as he started to get a handle on it. What if this whole thing, with regards to Sam and needing to sort of fulfill this role as a mentor without overstepping, Mm -hmm. what if it goes back to his understanding of what his role is in the grand scheme of things as a time traveler and putting things right what once went wrong? Maybe it's a thing where he acknowledges, I can't be the one to do this. You have to be the one to do this. Right. right. And he and he becomes this sort of wise elder character. Right. Who is just shepherding her along, probably knowing full well ultimately what she needs to do to reconcile with all of the emotional things that brought her to this to begin with. Sure. Yeah. I also envision that I just when push comes to shove and she's unconscious in the car, you know, and whatever. Sam's just sitting there is like, you know, I can't do it. He's like, well, you know, my hands are tied. I guess she's not going to succeed on this mission. Like, I just don't see a scenario where he doesn't just materialize and fix things. Maybe instead of, oh boy, being the line that kicks off every leap, (laughs) maybe at the end of every episode, he just looks at her and says, you blew it, kid. And then they (laughs) leap, and then it's the next episode. (laughs) Right. Better luck next time. The only other scene, like I said, I've got that in my brain. I've got that one scene where Mia goes to see Al and he kind of says, yeah, go find him. He's right here. Right. And you kind of set that up and people would be like, well, how does he know? He hasn't been in the project. Timeline has changed. There's always kind of this fuzzy understanding of, you know, the metaphysical side of Quantum Leap. Um, Sure. Why are personalities merging? Why does he see me? Why all of this kind of stuff? So it's been there before, but you would still kind of have that question of like, well, how does he know? So the only other scene I have written in my head is an epilogue to the three part series opener where Sam leaps and materializes in Al and Beth's backyard, and they've just come out from breakfast. And they're sitting out on the porch in the grass in an early morning. And Sam comes walking up and they have an interaction that leads you to believe that he does this frequently. He comes back and he visits Al quite a bit. They have a relationship. In the past, in the present? Present of the show, of this timeline. So he's in the retirement home with Beth in his elder years. 
but you get the notion that over this time period, he's been visiting. Well, well, Beth, he goes, he comes back, he goes, he comes back. Beth and, has met him, too, you know? Like, that's something right. else that's worth remembering. Beth's encounter with Sam, for her, is weird as hell. Yeah. just <laughs> Like, he just appeared in her bedroom. It's the sort of thing you won't <laughs> like, forget. It's like, what was, what was that movie, The Time Traveler's Wife, right? Where it's, <laughs> this guy keeps meeting this woman at different stages in her life, right? Yes, and, we're going to cover that later this summer on one of our yes. time travel. <laughs> <laughs> so it's the sort of thing you wouldn't forget like beth will no, always yeah. remember this guy and so there's a stranger that was yeah. already in her house yeah it's not like he knocked on the door he like materialized in her living room and he's just like hi you don't know me but i know your boyfriend and let yeah. me tell you something that's a bizarre relationship to have so yeah I, I do envision an epilogue series where you rope al in and let the viewers know that his involvement in the show over the past five years has not been completely erased that relationship is as healthy as it has ever been albeit different um clearly but there's definitely a connection there and he takes a moment to promise to beth and al that he's gonna look after mia while she tries to figure all this out so like i said i've got that one sticking point am i able to recreate that intangible partner but also is Sam fully aware of what he's done to Donna or not? And I feel like that's something that I don't know that I necessarily would have to answer at a pitch stage, but would be something that would be really interesting to try and figure out over the course of a series. Like, sure. just how much does Sam remember? What does he know? How much control does he actually have? Yeah, and I think you'd have to have that idea early, just well, to make sure to nothing happens. you'd have to know where you're happened. going with it, yeah. for sure. Just to make sure that nothing happens throughout that in retrospect would just make him look worse and worse and worse right i think it's a fine line to walk because already you're kind of like sympathizing with mia and seeing things from her perspective and it's like yeah this guy left a just a trail of destruction in his wake and you'd have to weigh it against the sheer number of positives that he's done right it just so happens that some of the negatives have affected donna and his own life Like, he's making the sacrifice of his own life to never spend any time with his daughter, to never have known his son that I've just kind of made up here, and to seemingly break the heart of somebody that he loved in favor of somebody he's not able to spend any time with. These are things that I just don't understand why they weren't thought of when Trilogy was put on the air. What was Deborah Pratt thinking when they put all that together? It continues to make no sense to me. I don't know. It was a different era, man. Like, broadcast television, and I I don't know. Like, I think we talked about it last week. We were only a season and a half barely removed from the last time we saw Donna. Right. Like, people remember Donna at this point when they're just watching the show. It is weird, but at the same time, the Swiss cheese brain thing, you know, that's why you put that on him so he's not saddled and the show's not saddled with this it's the same it's the peter parker marriage thing like you've got to you can't it needs to be erased by the devil right it has to be erased somehow and there's a good way to do it and a a bad mephisto-esque way to do it i don't know yeah it doesn't sit well with us because of how much we think about this but if you're just watching the show week to week and it's just like a hey oh quantum leaps on again let's watch that and then you're like okay well that was cool you know and you're not thinking about donna just like sam i guess (laughs) I wonder if that's the case. Like, how many people are not thinking about Donna? 
But Deborah Pratt, you would think she was definitely thinking about Donna. Right. I would love to ask her that. What in the world prompted this? What is the idea behind Trilogy and where was it supposed to go? Right. Because what it feels like is it's the seed, literally, <laughs> of Sam, to make Sammy <laughs> Joe the future of this series or a future series. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the motivators I had to kind of turn this around, take what I know of the finale and see if I can't try and fix the things that I feel uncomfortable about with Trilogy. And if I can come up with a good reason for that to have happened, create a character in Mia that feels the same way that I do as an audience member and allow her to reconcile it with Sam the way I want to. That would be the goal. Yeah. So you're working through the traumatic experience of watching the fifth <laughs> season of Quantum Leap. <laughs> That's right. It's all the therapy session. That's all uh, writing is. Yeah. Maybe. All writing is is just us working through our issues, folks. <laughs> That's it in a nutshell. So basically, it's just Mia is the new time traveler. Sam is a mentor style guide, which I mean, I guess the more I think about it, maybe they can just be a team of leapers. What I'm thinking is, generally speaking, Mia leaps. Mia doesn't have control over the leaps. She just zips somewhere, right? Right. And she'll be there. She's disoriented. She doesn't know where she is. A few minutes in, maybe it's an hour in. To her leap in this new area, Sam arrives. He's like, right? hey, I found you. <laughs> yes. Hey, yeah, sure. so, uh, so what you doing, kid? I'm picturing their relationship to be almost like Neo and Morpheus during those initial training scenes. Morpheus is almost toying with him because sure. he sees how his eyes have not completely opened to what reality looks like and what yeah, I like that. the sort of potential of the Matrix is for a person like him who's aware of it. I don't want to say that Sam Beckett's going to be like mercilessly coy about everything and much like uh, yeah, Al Calavici's other Sam. daughter getting yeah. off on being withholding. <laughs> but, um, but knowing what his experience was like and where he ended up on the other side of it and seeing that sort of growth and where he ends up in the finale of Quantum Leap as a beautiful transition. Like he looks at it and sees he's a person now who is whole, like you say, and he looks at the breadth of time and says, this entire experience is beautiful. What I see is beautiful. And now he sees a young person who comes in and she's making all the same mistakes he did early on and having all the same challenges he did early on. And it's like not so much being mean spirited about it, but just seeing that and delighting in it as like a true mentor would. Right. Sure. And maybe even to a degree knowing where she's ultimately going to end up and, and what the changes she's going to make will yield, not just in terms of the people that she touches, but even in his life and Donna's life. Like, maybe he knows. Maybe he's been waiting for her to come along to enact the next chapter of his story. Right. Maybe it's like I was saying earlier, she has to change this. Like, it has to be her that does it. I can't do it, Sam says, right? I can't mm -hmm. be the one who does it. Maybe all of the things that Sam is waiting for with regards to Donna and his son and, and all of that stuff. Maybe he's been waiting for Mia to be the one who creates the conditions under which all of that stuff is resolved. Maybe yeah. it's like yeah. time has dictated this is the way it has to be. And he knows that it's going to come. Sure. Yeah. Now, clearly, Sam seems lost and has just disappeared because 
he's out leaping by himself. Right. So Mia leaps, and suddenly somebody's going to pop into that waiting room. Right. So that can make things super interesting for Project Quantum Leap if they don't have a connection to her through an imaging chamber. Yeah. You know, there's no hologram in my story here because Sam is the guide. Yes. And it makes perfect sense for them to not have somebody whose brainwaves are synced to Mia's and she's kind of gone rogue using the accelerator. But there's a lot of fun to be had in maybe those three episodes a season where maybe they're cataloging all these uh, all these wacky people, that, yeah, all these people <laughs> that are popping into the waiting room that look remarkably like Mia in the mirror. A whole other facet to this show that I didn't even really think about while I was putting it together until just now. Like yeah. that's that's could be a how, lot of fun to play with you, how too. How did you not think about the waiting room? <laughs> Who would leave the waiting room well, out of a revival? It's ridiculous. Waiting room has to be in the first sentence of the pitch. The sheer notion. You see, there's a waiting room. Now hold on, let me explain. <laughs> That's the way the pitch starts. So you've ever been to the doctor? <laughs> But yeah, that could be actually a lot of fun, like an elderly, gushy Donna, Sammy Joe over there at Project Quantum Leap with this stranger just kind of popping in. Maybe three episodes a season, we only show Project Quantum Leap. From that side? Like, we don't even yeah, know what's like, going on in the leap proper. We just show, yeah. hey, so what's going on, guys? You know, <laughs> Yeah, just do a whole episode where they just skip whatever Mia and Sam are up or to. Or maybe we, maybe we follow Mia and Sam. And then the next episode just follows the person that Mia leaped into on the previous one. Like, we get, like, a really interesting person, and we're yeah. just following them around. Maybe Sammy Joe could be working on a way to get this imaging chamber to work. I imagine that's what she'd probably be trying to do. Yeah. If suddenly they could prove she was out there because these people were appearing in the waiting room. She said, well, she's out there. I got a kind of an idea where they are because it's this person. But how do we talk to her? Let's see if we can get this imaging chamber up and running. And maybe Sammy Joe gets it up and running, right? And maybe she goes in, but she finds that her brainwaves are not attuned to Mia, but are attuned to Sam Beckett. Yeah. That'd be interesting, too. And suddenly she's like, what the hell is this? Yeah. Yeah, that's, what, that's like season three, probably. Yeah. I was, I was thinking maybe <laughs> season two. Season, season finale, two, okay. season two, you know. Yeah. Something yeah. you build towards. So what do you think, folks? The more I think about it, I still really like it. I wish I had a good answer. Like, I, I like what you were talking about with the mentor thing. I do enjoy it, but I just feel like you're going to end up handcuffing the writer when the hero's at their bottom you know and sam and, just refuses to do anything and about say what's yeah why is like why wouldn't sam just do something i don't know maybe we have to refocus the pitch as a pair of leapers now no because i really like what you said about she finishes a leap and just disappears and to him it's like oh all right she's gone where there does she, she go, go now there she goes again Yep. Yeah, where does she go now? Now I got to go find her in all of time. Let me go find Mia and wherever she ended up. So yeah, she's there first, has to get acclimated to her environment and figure out who all the people around her are before Sam even shows up. And then Sam's got to decide whether he can show up as himself and just be like, oh, hey, I'm her uh, college roommate or I'm this character's... Uncle. Maybe he has to wear a bunch of disguises. Maybe he has to wear like mustaches <laughs> and glasses and well, I wonder hair. if he I wonder if he 
lost the ability to blend in. I mean, leaping would be so different if you were just yourself. Right. Well, I mean, th- that would You'd be have part to of the ins- problem. It'd be like, what was the 12 monkeys? In 12 monkeys, there's like a photograph, you know, from like 200 years ago. <laughs> That's like, oh, hey, look who it is. It's the same yeah. guy. It's like that uh, vampire Nicolas Cage picture from the 1800s. You know, there's that like daguerreotype picture that is a guy <laughs> that looks just like Nicolas Cage, but it was like taken in like 1850 or something. What? Yeah, it's out there. It's It's a real thing. I'm going to look into that. But you mentioned 12 monkeys. I think we might need to put that on our docket. I think 12 monkeys should be. Like, I saw it in the theater. Yeah, yeah. I saw it in the theater, too. And that's I, it. I have seen it since. I have seen it since, but it's been a very long time since I watched it. And 12 monkeys is, to me, like five to 600 level in sort of the college course load of time travel. <laughs> time like, travel if you're majoring in time travel, this is like a five right, you 600 said... level... Yeah, and you said Back to the Future was like 101. Back to the Future 2 specifically, as far oh, as I see. how time travel works and divergent timelines and things like that, because it's, it's all spelled out very, very explicitly there. Then you get into the upper level stuff like 12 Monkeys and Primer, or two time travel things that are just dense. 12 Monkeys is very clearly dense. Primer is deceptively dense yeah. in terms of what it's accomplishing. I need to watch 12 Monkeys again. But yeah, what's interesting, as I was reading through this, and we've talked about Quantum Leap, do we have divergent timelines or a singular timeline? And that I is think, just adjusting. Is it like healing over? Like, that's kind of right. my perception is like this timeline, there's a change made and then it heals over itself, right? Right. And Ziggy then is recording all the changeover, but those timelines are not divergent They've just disappeared. They've just collapsed. Yeah. Right. Because it'll be really interesting to see how this new series continues because they're going to end up having a story about parallel universe. Well, I mean, they really heavily flirted with it in the finale, right? That nuclear winter future could, in fact, ultimately be a divergent timeline. But it could just be something they heal over, though. It could be. It definitely could be. It could could just be. be a wrong that they put right. Yeah. I think this show is... How should I say it? The first series really informed my opinion that the timeline is linear. It's just things get healed over, things correct, and then it marches on, and whatever that divergent timeline is ceases to exist. But this one, New Quantum Leap, is horny for parallel universes. And you can tell it's coming. Yeah. It's it's randy as hell for this shit, man. They just want to get there. That's gonna be a problem. Because You remember that episode of Star Trek The Next Generation (laughs) (laughs) called Parallels? Take a drink. Everybody take a drink. (laughs) Parallels is the one with the, um, where, uh, isn't it Worf? Oh boy, drinking game. Anytime they mention. (laughs) Isn't Parallels the one where Worf is kind of in multiple divergent timelines? Isn't that the one where Riker's like, the Borg is everywhere? Yes, Yes, exactly. Right. It's the one that introduces that there is no singular timeline. And there's all Um, those enterprises at one point. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. yeah. And they all just, they all have different quantum signatures, right? I've read reviews from somebody that just absolutely hates that episode because it makes them feel like the timeline prime doesn't matter. It's just another time. Like, why are we following these guys instead of those guys? Exactly. Yeah. Why do we care about this crew? They're 
basically this other crew with one minor change. So suddenly they're not special. I can see that point. I would argue, though, counterpoint, I think that the parallel universe Bryans, whatever the circumstances are around their existence, have got to be doing better than the prime universe Brian. I I just got (laughs) to believe that. That's Brian K. Martin. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's doing all right, that guy. (laughs) (laughs) There's only enough to satisfy every letter in the alphabet. (laughs) Brian Epsilon Martin is doing quite well. Excellent! I guess what I was driving at is that if the premise of your show is putting right what once went wrong. You can't operate that story in a world with parallel timelines. No, because then, because then you don't put anything right. You, you yeah. just create a condition under which things are right, but the old ones still exist, still the bad there. ones still out there. Yeah, I mean, it's the yeah. only thing that makes sense, of right. course. So if you're actually changing time so that the bad things don't happen, as opposed to creating a timeline where, hey... One of you is doing all right. (laughs) That again, going back to Back to the Future, that's the idea behind Back to the Future. There are no divergent timelines in Back to the Future. There is a single timeline and you can either dick it up or correct it. It's like when Marty is back in 1955 and comes back to 1985, his family that he left behind no longer exists. They're gone. Right. They're better. They have been replaced by a better group of people. Well, Biff is probably worse off than he was, but hey. But he's a better person for it. Yeah. Um, And Doc Brown even says as much in Back to the Future 2 when they leave Jennifer on the porch in that alternate 1985. Everything will change around her. Don't worry. The world is going to change around her and she'll be back in the normal timeline once we fix it. It's like there's a unified timeline. And that's kind of what I picture for Quantum Leap because it's the only thing that really makes sense, like you said. Yeah. So you think the new series is going to dick that up a little bit. I mean, look where we're at. I say Back to the Future. Back to the Future 2 came out like a year after Quantum Leap debuted. You know, these things kind of exist concurrently. These ideas about time travel and pop culture are kind of uniform. What's the big thing right now, man? Multiverse. It's everywhere right now. I gotta believe that modern sensibilities and the interests in pop culture are going to drive the new series into parallel universes. Right, right. Even if it doesn't make much sense. (laughs) Right. Well, not my revival, Brian. My revival, which, by the way, I titled Project Quantum Leap. Oh, that's good. Instead of just Quantum Leap. That's good. And, uh, yeah, I actually really like this idea. And after seeing what they've put together, I, I would still prefer to see what I've done here. I think what you've written builds on the old series in a way that legitimizes that old series, but very overtly passes the torch on, right? Yeah. Whereas New Quantum Leap, the torch isn't passed. There's no passing of the baton. It's just, here's a bunch of new people, and you're left with magic to facilitate that. But even that doesn't happen immediately. Yeah, with like anecdotal mentions of Al and shit like that. And and magic still remains this sort of background character overall in the story. This is Ben Song's story and Addison's story. It's not really Magic's story. And neither of them could care too much about Sam at all. Right. As far as we know. They're not there for the same reasons that Magic is. And Magic joined because he's like, I gotta find Sam or I I want to give back the way he gave to me. You know, that's, that's great, but 
you're not the main character of this show. (laughs) (laughs) And and they've got other ideas. Everybody's got their own motivations for being here, right? Yeah, I grew this idea out of something that I'd seen before. The writers of the new series feel like they are sewing something all together new. Mm -hmm. The original Wrath of Khan. Those guys watched every episode of the original series and studied it and picked the best villain they could find in that series to do something with. The best villain that would make the most sense. It's like, remember when that guy pretty much single-handedly took control of the Enterprise after being thawed out? Yeah. (laughs) But they worked it all out in the end, and he got his own planet to rule over, and everything was hunky-dory. What if he ended up being really pissed off? (laughs) Right, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're right, you're right. They definitely found the exact right thing to boost after pouring over everything. Which, I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but that's what pisses me off about Star Trek Nemesis. It's the same kind of <laughs> oh, thing boy. where it's, they're like... It's like a, we a need whole to... other episode. <laughs> it is, it is. We need our own Wrath of Khan. Um, what should we do? Let's make up a whole new character and jury-rig some kind of connection to Picard by making him a clone. Yeah. Oof. Instead of going back to the series and finding something that already has a personal connection to Picard, and I have always, until my dying breath, will say that movie should have been about the Cardassian that was torturing him in Chain of Command. 100%. Like, that's why the guy. Would you not, yeah, why it, would you not reach back and pull that guy out of obscurity? If, if Picard's got a beef with anybody from that show... Or somebody have a beef with him. Yeah. Picard left that guy emasculated. Yes. He never broke Picard, and instead that guy looked like a dumbass. Right. You know, yeah. at the end of it. He <laughs> That's had what he every been. reason. You made me look like Picard. a dumbass. Wasn't yeah, was that Kardashian was that Kardashian played by David Warner? I think so. I think he was. Like David Warner yeah. was all over Star he Trek. He was all over know? Star Trek. He was in Trek. he was yeah. in Star Trek. Six, he was in Star Trek Five, he was in... Yeah, he was the Klingon Chancellor Yeah, he was Chancellor Gorkon in Star Trek Six. Yeah. And he was just one of those guys hanging out with Cybok in uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. in Star Trek Five. Good old Star Trek Five. But anyway, I mean, it's the same idea. Going back to what you had and sprouting something out of that instead of, hey... Here's a name of a property about time travel. Let's make another one with that same name. And the connection becomes an afterthought, right? Yeah. yeah. Now, granted, granted, I do think talking about going back into the well and finding that one thing, the inclusion of magic is a very, very cool idea. Yes. Because he's a military guy who served in Vietnam. The connection between him and Al is 100% plausible. That they know of each other, that they met in later years. And that him having been a host for Sam, it all coalesces. I don't think there was a better character to pull out of that original series to fill Magic's role than Magic. I mean, I'd have to give it some thought to see. That's certainly a good choice. It's also the height of that series, that episode. One of the best episodes of the show, you know, yeah, we revisited. Absolutely. And it was kind of like the reverse of Trilogy. Trilogy got knocked down a few pegs in my mind after rewatching it. And part two of The Leap Home got bumped up a few pegs because it was so much better than I remembered it being. Yeah, yeah. Well, 
I wish I could see Project Quantum Leap. Even if for some reason they were going to try that today, Dean Stockwell, rest in peace. I wouldn't yeah. be able to do a lot of what would make this really great, which is some of that relationship with Al and being able to strengthen that in almost a reunion. Having Sam make those visits to Al on occasion mm-hmm. and realize they've been having breakfast together for years over the decades. I mean, that could be really sweet. Really tugging um, on the heartstrings. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, there it is. Nate's Project Quantum Leap. Now we just sit back and see if anything that we've said here makes it into the show next season. <laughs> <laughs> well, Nate, I think that's about it. I think we actually can kind of give a tease to the next episode now, right? We've got a little bit of a schedule. Yes. Next week we're doing the movie, right? I think we're going to go over source code. Yes, yeah? source code. Along the way here, we kind of alluded to this earlier, but some of the episodes we'll do here in the break will be Quantum Leap adjacent detours into notable time travel projects. This one has a very explicit connection to Quantum Leap that I think we've brought up on the show before, but we'll get into that next time. Yeah, don't spoil because I've forgotten what it is. I think I mentioned before I've seen Source Code. I remember really liking Source Code. Yes. I can't remember a goddamn thing about Source Code, (laughs) except that there's a train, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they're on a train. Yeah. Uh, Very, very cool movie. Obviously, I am a big fan. We've talked about this season with Leap, Die, Repeat. We talked about the Next Generation episode, Cause and Effect. These Mm -hmm. these sort of causality Mm -hmm. loop kind of things where time travel just starts creating the scenario where you're replaying the same thing over and over and over again. And source code is a great example of that, I think. Yeah. So this should be a fun one to revisit. I haven't seen it since it came out, I don't think. Yeah. Yeah. So go out and um, rent it. Watch it. Come back and talk about it with us. Absolutely. Uh, And in the meantime, folks, of course, if you would like to reach out to us. Send us your thoughts. Give Nate notes on that pitch of his. If you could figure yeah. out a way to make Sam intangible, <laughs> <laughs> more power to you. You can reach out to us at oboyqlpod at gmail.com. You can also find us on social media for what it's worth. <laughs> Twitter. <laughs> I'm at Captain Burns, C-A-P-T-N-B-E-R-N. And I'm at Action Nate. Thanks for listening, folks. We always appreciate it. And until next time. I'm Brian. And I'm Nate. And we'll be here in the waiting room.